woman called the spirits. And they answered. You saw what I saw. For once in your life, admit that you are up against something bigger than you. Tonight, we are all afraid. We cannot hide from our ghosts. Whether they are real or not. Do you believe in ghosts? Let's see if our detective proves whether they are real or not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Amato and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato and you can find us pretty much on all social media platforms as well as YouTube and Discord. By the way, when you say, do you believe in ghosts? All I want to do is sing share. Do you believe in life after death? Uh, I know those aren't the words, but that's just what was running through my head just now. Oh my goodness. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us on our zany little podcast here. And as you heard from the trailer, we're going to be reviewing the latest Kenneth Branagh. 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 I apologize for messing up his last name. Uh, the series of EQ Perro films. I want to roll my R's at Perro, but Perro is dog in Spanish, I think, right? I don't know. Anyway, the film is titled A Haunting in Venice. This film was released on September 15th, 2023 in theaters, and we saw it on opening weekend. So our standard spoiler alert is in effect here as we will be talking about specific plot points and themes. So if you haven't seen A Haunting in Venice, you will be spoiled. Okay. So, uh, when this episode drops, it'll actually be October, which means it's my favorite time of the year. It's Halloween. This is Halloween. This, this is Halloween. 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 No, but that's not. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> Just throwing that out there is a little hint. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does remind me, though, about Halloween. We do need to go pick up some candy for the trick-or-treaters, and preferably it be candy that I will not eat. That kind of narrows down our choices, baby. To anything with peanuts, which we don't give out for Christmas. No, we can't. Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> I'm giving out candy for Christmas. Wow. Wow. It's been a while. Uh, we don't give out anything with nuts in it. Uh-huh. And we we can give out stuff with coconut. Then I, I would coconut. eat it. I know. That's not my problem. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, before we do all of that, uh, let's see if this film is a treat or trick for viewers. Did you like what I did there? Did you like what I did there? Okay, is that like a ha-ha funny laugh or it's a ha-ha-ha? Okay. Better? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I had the sound effects. I might as well use them, right? (laughs) Yes. Now, on to the synopsis from Google. Now retired and living in self-imposed exile in the world's most glamorous city, Perot, really want to roll my R's, (laughs) reluctantly attends a seance at a decaying haunted palazzo. Is it palazzo or palazzo? It's palazzo. Palazzo. Mm-hmm. I can't even say that right. Anyway, he soon gets thrust into a sinister world of shadows and secrets when one of the guests is murdered. I still love you. <laughs> you still love me? I yeah. love you too. Anyway. I should know it's Palazzo. I'm Italian. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, wait, what? It's horrible. Um, all right. So this story is loosely based on the Agatha Christie short story, Halloween. Um, 
in the film, the reason why the palazzo is haunted is because years ago it used to be an orphanage, but the doctors and nurses charged with the orphan's care locked the children up until they died. That's really not cool. So the children, or the children's ghosts, haunt the palazzo, and they claim living children to join them. Uh, so now in present day, the owner of the palazzo, Rowena Drake, is holding a seance because she claims that her daughter was victim to the ghost's children, and she wanted to talk to her daughter again. That night, the psychic leading the seance is murdered, and Perrault is forced out of retirement to investigate. He uncovers that Rowena actually killed her own daughter by giving her small doses of poisoned honey in her nightly tea. Ugh. Rowena invited people to the seance to figure out who knew the truth about this and was blackmailing her to the point of where she no longer had any money. So she ended up killing not only the psychic, who, by the way, used to be a nurse, but also the doctor who, a year ago, was trying to help cure Rowena's daughter. Rowena herself also ended up drowning in the end. So as dawn breaks, Perot asks Leopold why he did it. Turns out Leopold is Rowena's blackmailer. Leopold did it because he wanted to help out his dad, who couldn't really work anymore, due to his PTSD. My, what a tangled web we weave. Dun, dun, dun. I really need that sound effect. Mm, yes. All right. So this is going to be the first episode where we're debuting two new sections. Mm -hmm. So here is the first new section, and it's just called Movie Facts. So we're going to give you just simple facts about the film. This is the third film in the Poirot series. Number one was Murder on the Orient Express. Number two was Death on the Nile, which apparently is the lowest grossing one, but people consider it a victim of the pandemic mm -hmm. because it was uh, people weren't going to theaters yeah. or it was on streaming. I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and then three is this film, A Haunting in Venice. Its budget was $60 million and opening weekend was $14.5 which is better than the projections of $12 million. And as of this recording, the film is in its second weekend and has earned slightly over $42 million. Okay. So those are the movie facts? Movie facts. Yes. So dun, dun, dun. let us talk about the good and the theme, shall we? So what was good about this movie? Well, if you love whodunit films, right? Murder mystery. Who whodunit? Yeah. Who, 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 who? I really want to know. Uh, yes, so do I. Um, <laughs> but if you're into that, this is a classic film and you probably will enjoy it. I mean, I was trying to figure out who did it. You know what it reminded me of? Mm -hmm. A longer version of like a Murder, She Wrote episode? Oh, you know what? Just because you said that. Uh, there was a marathon in in one of the channels of Murder, She Wrote, and I was just re-watching all of them. And then before I knew it, it was like almost midnight. I'm like, oh, I need to go to bed. Yeah, it, but it it's a classic fun. whodunit type yeah. scenario where you know somebody's going to be convicted they're going to find it out and it's just a, a really nice type of feeling of film it's mm -hmm. i'd consider it more like a cozy mystery yeah yeah exactly coming soon coming soon next year um my first cozy mystery yeah i did a plug for myself <laughs> it's all good it's our podcast you can do that <laughs> so what else is good about this film uh the cast which is pretty stacked actually yeah, you have Tina Fey, who plays Mrs. Oliver, and I'm never going to be able to pronounce her first name correctly, who is the best-selling writer slash quote-unquote friend. You have Kenneth Branagh, who plays Perot, who also directed the film. You're going to hear a lot of those right now. Uh, and Jamie Dornan, who plays Dr. Leslie Ferrier. 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 
I was, I'm going to destroy names. I'm so sorry. He's the PTSD uh, soldier and um, the broken father, as I write it. Mm-hmm. And then you have Michelle Yeoh, who plays Mrs. Reynolds, the psychic. <laughs> if I could hit this enough times, you get the point on that one. Oh, my goodness. That's a really sticking point for me on this one. Okay. Well, we're still in the goods. So. I know we are. Okay. I had actually, as I was talking about, you know, murder mysteries and trying to figure it out, I actually had an inkling that the mother actually had something to do with her daughter's death. Didn't know how necessarily, but I had that inkling. What was a shocker to me, the twist, was that Leopold was a blackmailer. That I did not see coming. See, that's funny to me. I was the reverse. Oh, were you? Um, And I just want to ask you a quick question since you did the, the summary. Rowena was poisoning her daughter every day, mm-hmm. but the it assistant, was hel- the help, the individual gave her too much honey in the tea, yeah, because, which killed her. Because she saw Rowena giving tea to her yeah, daughter yeah, no, every no, no, night. No, 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 but I'm, I'm yeah. just trying to run it through in my head that yes. it was the, I want to say the housekeeper or the... Olga. Olga was the one who actually gave too much of the honey, which poisoned her because she was unaware that there was poison in it. Correct. Okay. And what happened then was that because of the overdose... Her daughter died, mm-hmm. and she didn't want to be suspected of it, so she made it seem like her daughter committed suicide and then used the legend of the children's ghosts to blame, right, that that it was the ghost that made her daughter crazy and her daughter committed suicide. Yeah, and we also need to remember this takes place after World War II. Mm-hmm. So anybody who thinks that they're going to run out and do you know, toxicology reports and everything. I don't, I don't know that that was even an option back then. I don't believe yeah, it was. I'm, I'm not sure either, but. So we need to take the time period into, into consideration. consideration. Yes. But going back to your point, Leopold was so much more adult than he needed to be. Like he was reading a book while the other kids were playing. And then when Olga tells him go play, he's like, I'm going to go check on father. Yeah. You know, he already knew I need to check on my dad. I need to make sure my dad took his pills. Has my dad gotten his nap? He was basically the caretaker of his father. Because at this point in the movie, when we meet Leopold, it was obvious he couldn't work. Mm-hmm. When they mentioned, because uh, Perot was talking to Mrs. Oliver, and they're discussing how the place leaks and it's not getting fixed. And I believe it was Mrs. Oliver who said, you know, you're looking around, you see the this famous singer, mm-hmm. and where's the money? Yeah. So that immediately clicked to me that I was like, oh, maybe Leopold is blackmailing her for doing something. But I thought it was maybe she said something or did something on stage or she had allegiance to somebody else. You Mm. know, all of these weird things. I never once thought it was Rowena until later when she started mentioning her daughter was the reason to sing. Mm. That's when it clicked to me that there was a red flag on her. But again, I didn't quite put it together until the end. But Leopold to me was clear. That's interesting. I mean, you were talking about Leopold reading a book and and what struck me is that he was reading not just any book, he was reading Edgar Allan Poe. That's true. And I love Edgar Allan Poe. I've got his complete series. So I was like, that's a kid after my own heart. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, whoa, dude, you need to chill. Um, any other good before we go into themes? No, I'm I'm good. See what I did there? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Okay, anyway, uh, so the theme for me, okay, so there's a saying that politics makes strange bedfellows. And the reason why I bring this is because they're, they're like three characters here that are like so, so different, but they come together because they each needed each other to, to 
get a goal for them. Okay. Right. So um, here, uh, the author, right, she's chasing success. So she works with the con artist, who's the psychic, and the cop, who is the bodyguard of uh, Pello. Now, let me just explain, right? The best-selling uh, author is trying to, her last three books failed. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to get a bestseller so that she can be on top of the bestseller list again and, and of course, make more money, right? Of course. The con artist then joined this little trio because she needed to have legitimacy, right? Everybody doubts that she can do this. She's, they think that she's a fake, which she is. And she's going to be using this so that she can get people to believe that she can actually do this. And then third, the cop, who's also part of this little thing, wants to clear his conscience because he was the original detective investigating the murder. He might have had an inkling that it wasn't suicide. He just went ahead and said it was suicide. So he was complicit. He was complicit in it. So he wanted to clear his conscience. And so the only way that the three of them can really get what they want is to bring Perot into this, quote, seance and, and try to, to make a thing out of it. You know, it's interesting you bring up that scenario because mm. there's one scene in the film that I appreciated greatly, which mm. normally would get like kind of glossed over. Mm. So Perot figures it out, mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And he kind of goes after his quote-unquote best friend, Mrs. Oliver. Mm -hmm. Basically, is confronted by him, and he lets them have it, Mm. saying, you know, your your books have been flopping, and you needed me, and you wanted to clear your conscience because you were the original detective, and you think you made a mistake, and she needs... And he's just like, you know, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Now, indirectly, you know, that helped them out in the end because all of them got what they wanted. Well, not really, because the author couldn't, couldn't write the book that she wanted to write. No, but she could write the next Perot story, mm. which might work. You know, they all technically get something. Oh, except for the also s- the psychic. She the psychic. died. <laughs> um, I'm, oh, anyway, anyway. Okay. I'm trying to remember that scene, actually, but maybe I glossed over it. Mm. So you have any other themes? Um, let's see. Yeah. So the idea of selfishness versus selflessness, right? And the parallel that I'm drawing here is between Rowena and her daughter and Leopold and his father. So Rowena, as a mother, should have wanted her daughter to be happy, right? To grow and develop and experience life on her own. Instead, Rowena didn't want to be lonely, so she slowly poisoned her daughter so that she could always have her around, so that she's being selfish. Whereas Leopold, by contrast, is looking after his father, a doctor who has PTSD, and he's doing everything that he can, including, by the way, blackmailing Rowena, so that they can have money. Because he's, what, eight, nine years old? Yeah, he can't work. He can't work. You know, it's to keep them afloat so that he can get medicine for his father, right? And so that's selflessness. He's actually giving up his childhood to take care of his father. You know, I didn't quite see your point and when you were when i read the script and you were just talking about just now i was kind of like but you're right you're very much right it's an interesting parallel so uh is there any other good or do you want a themes good or do you want to go into the bad uh we can go into the bad okay so this is where all of our (laughs) 
come back into play? Uh, yes, and hopefully you remember them all. Oh, I do. Oh, okay. Go ahead then. All right, this is a big one, and I'm going to ask you to forgive me as I... Rant and rave? Michelle Yeoh, mm. her actual screen time felt like it was 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was very short. It was extraordinarily misleading. It's like, hi, I'm here. Oh, listening, listening, and dead. Oh, my end goodness. End <laughs> You really are hung up on that listening, listening thing. Oh, it really got annoying. But um, literally, she's like, hi, I'm here. Let's do the seance. They want to keep me. She's smug because she's got like her con going and then dead. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm watching Olaf on Disney Plus when they do Olaf's like little, like where he... His little he, shorts? Yeah, his shorts. And he's like, I'm dead. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> oh my God. Because I think it wasn't he was, quite that bad, but... No, but like he turns close. around and he's... You know, it, but it felt like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Olaf turns around and he's like, and everybody's dead. That's what I felt like. It was like, hi, here's Michelle Yeoh's Mrs. Reynolds. She's a seance. And she's dead. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> Why? <laughs> Oh, look, I it I think having that level of an amazing actress and the way they promoted it, it was really misleading. And that that's not cool. I don't like that at all. And yeah. I think that uh, Michelle Yeoh deserved better. And I knew that you felt that way. And I, I actually also felt that way. But in the theater, you actually leaned over and said, well, that was short. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh dies in the setup. Well... You can think about it as she got everything started. Let's get it started in here. Let's get. Oh, come on. I thought that was cute. No. No. <laughs> okay, fine. I just, I felt like she was wasted. Yes, you're correct. And I think I would feel that way about anyone in that specific role, but specifically Michelle Yeoh because of how they promoted it. Mm. If they hadn't promoted her as heavily on the poster and everything else, and maybe kept her in a mask i think seeing her would have been a surprise and i would have been like oh my god she's in this movie and then like oh my god you killed mrs michelle yo mrs reynolds is dead how dare you know it would have been a different connotation but i was under the impression she'd be through the whole film Mm. and again maybe that's just me but it bothered me because i felt like she deserved more than and i'll go into my next point listening listening Mm. that's all she said while she's waiting for the voices she's like i'm listening i'm listening no honey stop well, the dialogue, yeah. I just couldn't. I started giggling after a while. I'm like, she's listening. I'm listening too. And it's telling me, oh, it's still got another hour and a half to go. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So aside from Michelle Yeoh, <laughs> right, let's, let's move on. I actually wasn't sure whether or not it was how her character was written or just the delivering of the lines or, or certain lines because it felt to me like Tina Fey... Mm-hmm. was just a little bit off in the character or it just it it didn't quite fit i almost. wonder if she's in the first and second movies maybe we missed development perhaps that hadn't been in this one mm-hmm. because i do feel the character had great one-liners and Tina Fey's delivery was amazing oh, yeah. on those in, one-liners in those one-liners absolutely but other than that i didn't care for her and i agree with you there was something off and i can't put my finger on it i don't know what it is and that's why i'm kind of wondering if we missed development from previous films because Mm. it just didn't feel right yeah and i don't know maybe it was just the 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 way some of the abrupt camera angles were or 
the abrupt cuts even. And that goes to our other for direction. You want to go ahead and do that? There's a scene where uh, Rowena says there's no basement, where the sound's coming from. And Pro says it's from the basement. She's like, no, no, there isn't. He finds the secret door. And then they find all the things left behind from Mm -hmm. the original orphanage. So then they're freaking out because that adds credence to, oh, my God, they left the children here. But there's no bodies. It's just dolls and and random cast off stuff. Mm -hmm. So really, again, proving that there's no evidence to back this this legend, legend, urban legend. Mm -hmm. And there's a camera hanging. I guess maybe they attached something to... Uh, the actor and then the camera was in front so it's mm-hmm. shaky it's jerky and it's this first person uh, point of view where or not first person point of view because that would be seeing his hands but you see him so it's a solo shot of him and it's going, the cam- down, the going down the stairs and it's very jerky and very awkward and it made me somewhat like Bleh. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it a lot of the edits were weird a lot of the direction I mean the, the, the way they shot was weird I mean then there's well, maybe, the regular standard like two shot wide shots but there was a lot of weird jumpy shots that just ugh. maybe that was the point of it because it is a murder mystery you're trying to figure out different things and something occurs so it's like oh let's go there now well for me that would increase the tension and increase the creep factor right mm-hmm. because it's a murder mystery and it's supposed to be this haunting but the way specifically that angle that i bring up because that knocked me back out of it Mm. so watching it i was like i don't feel the creep factor or the tension increasing with a lot of their weird angles for me the shadows and the lighting added more of the tension and the creep factor and the the sound effects and even some of the music the way they did all of that worked Mm. better than this weird camera angle jerkiness well maybe because it's artistic did you hear that was mrs reynolds <laughs> getting impaled i got impaled Ugh. all right so moving on then the other thing that i thought was bad about this and again i don't know if it's because of you know the pacing of it but it seemed very slow i did look at my watch a few times yeah okay usually for murder mystery things like this at least for me it goes really fast and there's there's a lot of action there's a there's a lot going on but it didn't seem like there was a lot going on here and it was just dragging i don't know if it could have been edited differently mm. or again maybe if it was the development was was different or the pacing i'm not quite sure mm. i can't put my finger on it normally like i can tell you oh this could have been cut out this could have been like we didn't need this character like you know i i can be kind of callous like that and cold when it comes to certain things mm. I really can't put my finger on what this could have done to make it feel faster. Yeah. Because it really did feel, especially in the beginning, almost like a slog. Yeah. Um, When it picked up, it picked up. But to get there was was like, okay, are we there yet? I felt like I was a freaking Smurf. Are we there yet, Papa Smurf? Not far now. (laughs) I I don't know, but I don't know what it is. I don't know why. So any other points that you want to bring up here? The trailer in and of itself is also very misleading. The way the trailer is, is set up and the way we, we use the snippet, you know, Perot actually is in the sink and he's washing his face and he's washing his hands and then he pops up and there's a ghost behind him and then it's gone when he turns around. It gives you the feeling of a classic ghostly haunting. Mm-hmm. So you're expecting the scary and the creepy and more of a horror type or ghostly type film mm-hmm. where there's scares and there's heavy tension. And instead it's a murder mystery. Yeah. I didn't know that going in. And I did not know, again, I don't know these Perot series. I didn't know it was a Perot film. 
And I just went to see it because you're like, oh, well, it has Michelle Yeoh in it. I'm like, oh, okay, let's go well, see yeah, it. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's how I, I'm again, like, okay. I have said I'm biased, okay, regarding <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. I'm very biased. <laughs> that's mm. it. So, any other things that you want to bring up? No, I think we're good. Okay. Um, I don't think that there's any cute no. here other than like the one liner thingies that were funny and I can't mm-hmm. remember them. So that should tell you something. Uh, yeah. All right. So I guess that is our discussion of A Haunting in Venice. Now it is time for our Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. We rate A Haunting in Venice a 3.0 stars and we agree. Yay! Yay! I was late on that. That's okay. So here is the other new segment that we're going to be adding, and it's called Flop or Not. Do we think the film can develop legs to a successful run? And personally, I do think it could. I think the trailer does gear it towards one genre when it turns out to be another. So I think video on demand, digital purchases, and even physical copies will push it over the numerical values needed for studios to pursue another. Mm. But I, I do think the trailer is is going to be a hindrance. So, like I said earlier, we I haven't seen the other two films of this series, so I don't have a very good handle on how this movie is compared to the other two. I personally won't see it again, but there are a lot of other folks out there who love whodunit films, right? They love murder mystery films, and they love Agatha Christie. So maybe it will make just enough so that additional films will be made. So it could be a not-flop. No, see, I say it's not going to be a flop, and you say it might not be a flop. It might not be a flop. Interesting. I guess we're going to have to come back and see. Yeah. Another time. All in all, it's a fun film, mm-hmm. but not one I would have ventured to theaters to see. It kind of felt like the target audience trends older, and the misleading trailer might not appeal to them. You know, I went in there looking for a ghost story with scary sequences, and while the film does use music and tension to increase that creepy factor... Mm-hmm. I do think that jarring camera angles, the weird edits and and the shakiness kind of knocks me out of it. It's not scary. Let me repeat that. It's not a scary film. It's not. It's not what I expected from the trailer at all. They do have some jump scares. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing significant, not constant. And again, the music kind of does 90% of the work. But I do believe the trailer kind of gears it to the wrong audience. It's a different age bracket. And maybe it would be better suited like as a streaming series, similar to like Bly Manor, where they could really take one case and break it up into either six episodes and really delve into every aspect of it. Mm -hmm. They could really have the full characters. They've got a plethora of content to work with, especially in this case, it would have allowed a more a deeper, darker dive. And they would have allowed it to trend or or to toe that line of scary and not scary, similar to Bly Manor. Mm. I actually did not think about making this into a series because I think you're right that it allows them a little bit more time to go in depth. For my part, I too was disappointed that Michelle Yeoh was only in the film for a very short time. Although I must say it was good seeing her in this role because it's definitely different than her role in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Again, I don't know how it stacks up to the two previous Pello films, but I think it was entertaining enough to watch that if you're in the mood to see a murder mystery film, this could fit the bill. And if you just want to see Michelle Yeoh, just watch the very beginning and then stop. <laughs> then you don't know how it ends. The butler did it. Oh my goodness. There when is in no doubt. Butler. There is <laughs> well, no butler. Technically, the the help Olga did it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, technically, I'm right. Where, where is your soundtrack? There you go. You want that one? Yes. Aye. So anyway, that is going to do it uh, for our show today, folks. As always, thank you to our sponsor, Kindness Untamed. We truly appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and listening to our discussion of A Haunting in Venice and all our other episodes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. We appreciate it. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, Agatha Christie wrote in Halloween, quote, to keep something wild is far more difficult than to preserve it, end quote. If you love someone, let them be free. Love selflessly rather than selfishly. 